1850. Al Abbas ibn Abdul said, I was in the company of the Messenger of Allah وسلم, on the day of the Battle of Hunayn. Abu Sufyan ibn al Harith and I did not leave the Messenger of Allah وسلم, throughout the battle. The Messenger of Allah وسلم, was riding on his white mule. When the Muslims had an encounter with the pagans, the Muslims took to their heels. The Messenger of Allah وسلم, began to urge his mule towards the disbelievers, holding the bridle of his mule. I was trying to restrain it from going very fast, and Abu Sufyan was holding the stirrup of the mule of the Messenger of Allah The Messenger of Allah said, O Abbas, call out to the people of Asamura. Abbas called out at the top of his voice, Where are the people of Asamura? Abbas said, As soon as they heard my voice, they rushed towards the Prophet like a cow turning towards her calf. They were shouting, Here we are. Soon they began to fight the infidels. Then there was a call for Ansar. Those who called out to them shouted, O oh, you, the people of Ansar! O oh, you, the people of Ansar! They ended their call at Banu al-Harith ibn al-Khazraj. The Messenger of Allah وسلم, who was riding on his mule, looked at their fight with his neck stretched forward and he said, This is the time when the fight is raging hot. Then the Messenger of Allah وسلم, took pebbles and threw them in the face of the disbelievers. He said, By the Lord of Muhammad, the disbelievers will be defeated. I continued to watch until I found that their force was subdued and they began to retreat, collected by Muslim. Commentary. One, here is the factual proof of the bravery and greatness of the Prophet We see that initially when the companions were perturbed and they scattered here and there, he alone continued his march towards the enemy. He did not feel even the slightest fear or worry. In the end, his steadfastness compelled others to return and fight the enemy. Two, in fact, they had not receded far. They had got confused for a while. The reason for this confusion was the continuous and sudden volley of arrows, which was quite unexpected for them. However, at the call of Al-Abbas, radiallahu anhu, they at once turned back to fight. Had they gone far off, their sudden reorganization and collecting again would not have been possible. Three, here is the proof of a miracle of the Prophet as well. The throwing of few pebbles from his side caused the defeat of the enemy. Four, here the Muslims were taught a lesson that the real power in the battlefield is the strength of belief and the help of Allah. The position of the armaments and other things is secondary. So one should not depend on these means and resources alone. Otherwise, one will certainly face defeat in spite of large numbers of soldiers and better means, as happened initially in the Battle of Hunayn. The trust should be on Allah and His special help. His will alone is the deciding factor in every matter. 1851 Abu Huraira radiyallahu anhu said, Allah's Messenger sallallahu alayhi wasallam said, O people, Allah is pure and therefore accepts only that which is pure. Allah has commanded the believers as He has commanded His messengers by saying, O messengers, eat of the good things and do good deeds. And He said, O you who believe, eat of the lawful things which we have provided you. Then he, sallallahu alayhi wasallam, made a mention of the person who travels for a long period of time. His hair is disheveled and covered with dust. He lifts his hand towards the sky and thus makes the supplication, Ya Rabb, Ya Rabb, 
but his food is unlawful. His drink is unlawful. His clothes are unlawful and his nourishment is unlawful. How can then his supplication be accepted? Collected by Muslim. Commentary. For the grant of prayer, honest earning is essential. Allah accepts charity only if it has been earned in an honest way. Moreover, before any pious action, honest earning for a living is essential. Otherwise, good actions will also go to waste. 1852 Abu Huraira radiyallahu anhu said, The Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wasallam said, There are three types of people whom Allah will neither speak to on the day of resurrection, nor will he purify them from their sins, nor will he look upon them, and they will have a painful chastisement. These are an old man who commits fornication, a king who is a great liar, and a poor man who is proud, collected by Muslim. Commentary. From here it can be concluded that if it is easy for someone to avoid a sin and he does not remain away from it, then he is a greater sinner than a person for whom it is comparatively difficult to avoid that sin. 1853 Abu Huraira anhu said, Allah's Messenger sallallahu alayhi wasallam said, Sayhan wa jayhan wal furat Wanil are all rivers from Jannah, collected by Muslim. Commentary. This hadith shows the superiority of these rivers. This superiority is manifested in the purity of their water and the spread of Islam all around them. Some scholars like Imam Asuyuti take the meaning of this hadith literally. In any case, only Allah knows their reality. Say Han and Jahan are two rivers in the country of Syria. These are different from Sehun and Jahan in the territory of Khorasan. Some maintain that Sehun is in India and Jahun in Khorasan. The Euphrates and the Nile are well known. 1854 Abu Huraira anhu said, Allah's Messenger sallallahu alayhi wasallam took hold of my hand and said, Allah the exalted and glorious created the earth on Saturday, the mountains on Sunday, the trees on Monday, the things entailing labor on Tuesday, light on Wednesday, he spread out the animals of all kinds on Thursday and created Adam in the afternoon on Friday. And it was the last hour of Friday between the afternoon and the night. Collected by Muslim. Commentary. What does day mean? And how long can it be? It's reality only Allah knows. We observe a day of 24 hours. However, the days of the formation of the universe are evidently different from our earthly days. According to the Arabic language, a day may mean just a moment, but also eons of time. In the Quran also, Allah has mentioned that a day may be 1,000 or 50,000 years. Al-Hafiz ibn Kathir, rahimahullah, mentions in his tafsir that this is one of the ahadith classified as gharib, meaning strange, in Sahih Muslim. 1855 Abu Sulaiman Khalid ibn al-Walid radiyallahu anhu said, In the battle of Mu'tah, Seven swords were broken in my hand, and all that remained with me was a Yemeni sword, collected by Al-Bukhari. Commentary Mota is a place near Syria. The battle which took place here is known as the Battle of Mota. This hadith mentions the bravery and superiority of Khalid ibn al-Walid. 1856 Amr ibn al-As radiyallahu anhu said, I heard Allah's messenger sallallahu alayhi wasallam saying, when a judge utilizes his skill of judgment, 
and comes to a right decision, he will have a double reward. But when he uses his judgment and commits a mistake, he will have a single reward, collected by Al-Bukhari and Muslim. Commentary. In such matters about which there is no clear command or instruction in the Qur'an and Sunnah, the problem is decided keeping in view similar and resembling cases. This mode of deciding about its being permitted or prohibited is called ijtihad. Evidently, this process can be employed by only such a person who has full command about the various branches of knowledge pertaining to the Qur'an and Sunnah. Not every person can do it, nor is supposed to do it. There is a famous proverb that says, little knowledge is a dangerous thing. From here we conclude that the ruler, judge, or a bureaucrat in a Muslim country should be a learned scholar, meaning an alam well-versed in Quran and Sunnah, so that he can interpret the laws of Islam with utmost care and in a befitting and sincere manner. He should do the job sincerely and with a pious intention. With such mode of work, he will be bestowed with reward in every case. However, if his interpretation is correct, he will receive a double reward. 1857 Aisha anha said, The Prophet said, Fever comes from the raging of hell, so cool it with water. Collected by Al-Bukhari and Muslim. Commentary. The treatment mentioned in the narration is quite correct. In many cases, doctors also suggest that the patient should be cooled and the body temperature lowered by cold compresses. For example, placing cloth dipped in cold water on the body. 1858. Aisha, anha said, the Prophet ﷺ said, If a person dies without observing sawm, meaning fasts, his guardian should make it up on his behalf. Collected by Al-Bukhari and Muslim. Commentary. Sheikh Al-Albani says that this fasting refers to fasting of vow or nadr and not the fasting of Ramadan. Sheikh al-Albani has particularized the narration by Aisha radiallahu anha with the help of the narration of Ibn Abbas radiallahu anhumah in which the fasting of vow is specifically mentioned. The reason is that in the bodily worship, acting on the behalf of others is not permitted. As one cannot act or perform any bodily worship on behalf of others, Similarly, it is not allowed to do so after somebody's death. However, if in any particular case there is a ruling in the Qur'an or Sunnah, then in that particular matter, deputizing would be allowed. In such case, the permission should be limited to that particular matter only. For example, it is specifically mentioned in the Hadith that the Wali, that is, the guardian or inheritor of the dead person can observe the fasting of vow taken by the deceased person to Allah. However, no offering of other bodily worship, such as salah, will be permitted on behalf of the deceased person. 1859 Auf ibn Malik anhu said, Aisha anha was told, that Abdullah ibn Zubayyah had said in respect of selling of a gift which was presented to her by Allah, if Aisha does not stop this kind of thing, I will declare her incompetent to administer her property. Aisha asked, Did he say so? The people said, Yes. Aisha said, I vow it before Allah that I will never speak to Ibn Zubayr again. When this desertion lasted a long period of time, Abdullah Ibn Zubayr sought intercession with her. But she said, By Allah, I will not accept the intercession of anyone for him ever, and I will not commit a sin of breaking my vow. 
When this state of affairs was prolonged, Ibn Az-Zubayr felt it hard on him. He said to Al-Miswar ibn Makhrama and Abdurrahman ibn Al-Aswad ibn Abdul Yaghut, I beseech you in the name of Allah that you should take me to Aisha because it is unlawful for her to vow to sever relations with me. So Al-Miswar and Abdurrahman took him with them. They sought her permission saying, Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Shall we come in? Aisha radiallahu anha said, Come in. They asked, All of us? She said, All of you. Not knowing that Ibn Zubayr was also with them. So when they entered, Ibn Zubayr entered the screened place and got hold of Aisha radiallahu anha, whom was his aunt. He was requesting her to forgive him and wept. Al-Miswar and Abdurrahman also pleaded on his behalf and requested her to speak to him and to accept his repentance. They said to her, the Prophet ﷺ forbade to cut off relations because it is unlawful for any Muslim not to talk to his Muslim brother for more than three days. So when they persisted in urging and reminding her of the superiority of having good relations with kith and kin, she began to weep, saying, I have made a vow which is a matter of very serious nature. They persisted in their appeal till she spoke with Abdullah ibn Zubayr, and she freed 40 slaves as an expiation for breaking her vow. Later on, whenever she remembered her vow, she would weep so much that her veil would become wet with tears. Collected by Al-Bukhari. Commentary. Abdullah ibn Zubair radiallahu anhu was the nephew of Aisha radiallahu anha. She had made a vow that she would not talk to her nephew. She thought that such an oath was permissible as her nephew, then the governor of Mecca, had shown his intention to put a ban on the spending of Aisha radiallahu anha. In his opinion, she was spending very lavishly in charity. Later, Abdullah ibn Zubair realized his mistake and went to his aunt to seek forgiveness along with two persons as recommenders. After this, it was proper for her to break her oath and to resume her relations with him. The expiation for breaking a vow is the same as that of breaking an oath, meaning to feed 10 indigent people on a scale of the average for the food of one's family or clothe them or give a slave his freedom. If one cannot afford any of these things, then he should fast for three days. But Aisha radiallahu anha, in her generosity, bought 40 slaves and freed them. 1860. Uqba ibn Amr radiyallahu anhu said, One day Allah's Messenger sallallahu alayhi wasallam went out and asked Allah's forgiveness for the martyrs of the Battle of Uhud after eight years. It seemed that by doing so, he bid farewell to the living and the dead. He then came back, rose to the pulpit and said, I shall be your precursor. I am a witness for you before Allah and I will be present before you at the river. By Allah, I can see with my own eyes the river from this place. I am not afraid that you will associate anything with Allah in worship after me, but I am afraid that you will vie with one another for the life of this world. The narrator said, it was the last time that I saw Allah's Messenger, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, collected by Al-Bukhari and Muslim. Commentary. This hadith highlights the following points. Number one, Hawdul Kawthar exists. Anas radiallahu anhu reported, when the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam was made to ascend to the heavens, he said after his return, I came upon a river in Jannah, the banks of which were made of tents of hollow pearls. I asked Jibreel alayhi salam, what is this river? 
He replied, this is the kawthar. Number two, warning against vying with one another for the world. Number three, the permissibility of visiting the graves of the Muslims and praying for them. 1861. Abu Zaid, Amr, Ibn Akhtab, Al-Ansari, radiyallahu anhu said, The Messenger of Allah, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, led us in the morning, meaning Fajr prayer, and he ascended the pulpit and addressed us until it was the time for the Dhuhr prayer. He then came down the pulpit and led us in salah. Again, he ascended and addressed us until it was time for the Asa prayer. He then again came down, led us in salah, and again ascended the pulpit and addressed us until sunset. He informed us of everything that lay hidden in the past and what will happen in the future. And the most learned amongst us is the one who has preserved it in his memory, collected by Muslim. Commentary. Future events refer to happenings and incidents which will occur near the end of the world prior to the day of resurrection. 1862. Aisha radiallahu anha said, the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam said, he who vows to obey Allah should obey him, but he who vows to disobey Allah should not disobey him. Collected by Al-Bukhari. Commentary. This hadith makes it clear that if someone vows to do a righteous deed, he should keep his vow. But if he vows to commit a sin, he should break his vow. 1863. Um Sharik, said, The Messenger of Allah, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, ordered me to kill the chameleon. He also said, It blew fire on the Prophet Ibrahim, alayhi salam, collected by Al-Bukhari and Muslim. 1864. Abu Huraira anhu said, The Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wasallam said, He who kills a chameleon at the first blow, such and such number of good deeds will be awarded to him. Whoever kills it at the second blow, such and such number of merits will be recorded for him. And if he kills it at the third blow, he will get such and such merits. Another narration is, the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wasallam said, If anyone kills a chameleon with the first blow, a hundred good deeds will be recorded for him. Less than that will be recorded for him if he kills it at the second blow, and still less rewards will be recorded for him if he kills it at the third blow. Collected by Muslim. Commentary. Here it is mentioned that the killing of a chameleon in one stroke is very commendable. Similar is the case of killing of other harmful insects and reptiles such as scorpions and snakes. This shows that even a slight help in good or bad actions will be counted and rewarded or punished as the case may be. The matter of quantity is not so important, but the real thing is the intention and real motive. It could be that the chameleon did, in fact, blow fire on Ibrahim, or it could be that it simply refers to the chameleon's harmful nature to human beings. Allah knows best. 1865. Abu Huraira who said, The Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wasallam said, A man from amongst the people before you said, Indeed, I will give in charity. So he took his sadaqah out and placed it in a thief's hand. In the morning, the people were talking about this incident and said, Sadaqah was given to a thief last night. The man said, O oh Allah, praise be to you. I have given sadaqah to a thief. Indeed, I will give in charity. So he took his sadaqah out and he placed it in a prostitute's hand. In the morning, the people were talking about this incident and said, sadaqah was given to a prostitute last night. On hearing this, the man said, Praise be to you, O Allah. I gave sadaqah to a prostitute. Indeed, 
I will give in charity. So he took his sadaqah out and placed it in a rich man's hand. In the morning, the people were talking about this incident and said, Sadaqah was given to a rich man last night. The man said, O oh Allah, praise be to you for helping me give charity to a thief, a prostitute, and a rich man. Then someone came to him and told him that his sadaqah to the thief might result in his refraining from his theft. His sadaqah to the prostitute might help her abstain from her immorality. And his sadaqah to the rich man might help him pay heed and spend from what Allah had bestowed upon him. Collected by Al-Bukhari. Commentary. If the intention of the person giving away something in charity is good, it will be accepted and rewarded by Allah, even though it may be given to an undeserving person. However, it is better to give charity to deserving pious people. 1866. Abu Huraira, who reported, We accompanied Allah's Messenger وسلم, to a banquet. The meat of the forearm was presented to him as he was very fond of it. Allah's Messenger وسلم, ate a morsel of it and said, I will be the master of all the people on the day of resurrection. Do you know why? Allah will gather all human beings, past and present generations on the same ground so that the announcer may be able to make them all hear his voice and the onlookers may be able to see all of them. The sun will come very close to the people. They will suffer such distress and trouble as they will not be able to bear. Then the people will say, Do you see our miserable condition? You should look for someone who can intercede for you with your Lord. Some people will say to the others, Go to your father Adam. So they will go to Adam and say to him, You are the father of mankind. Allah created you with his own hand and breathed into you of his spirit ordered the angels to prostrate before you and made you dwell in Jannah. So please, intercede for us with your Lord. Do you not see our miserable condition? Adam will say, Today my Lord has become so angry as he has never been before, nor will he ever become angry after this. He forbade me to approach the tree, but I disobeyed him. I am worried about myself. Go to someone else. Go to Noor. They will come to Noor and say to him, O oh Noor, you are the first of Allah's messengers to the people on the earth, and Allah has named you a grateful slave. Please intercede for us with your Lord. Do you not see our miserable condition? He will say, Today my Lord has become so angry as he has never been before, nor will he become angry hereafter. I was granted the right to make one definitely accepted supplication. I availed of this opportunity and made it against my nation. I am worried about myself. Go to someone else. Go to Ibrahim. They will go to Ibrahim and say to him, O oh Ibrahim, you are Allah's messenger and the intimate friend of Allah from among the people of the earth. So please intercede with us with your Lord. Don't you see our miserable condition? He will say to them, Today my Lord has become so angry as he has never been before, nor will he ever be so hereafter. I had told three lies. I am worried about myself. Go to someone else. Go to Musa. The people will then go to Musa and say to him, Ya Musa, you are Allah's messenger and Allah gave you superiority above the others with his message and with his direct talk to you. So intercede for us with your Lord. Do you not see our miserable condition? Musa will say, 
Today my Lord has become so angry as he has never been before, nor will he ever be hereafter. I killed a man whom I had not been ordered to kill. I am worried about myself. Go to someone else. Go to Asa. So they will go to Asa and say to him, O Asa, you are Allah's messenger and his word which he bestowed on Maryam and a spirit created by him. And you talked to the people while you were in the cradle. Please intercede for us with your Lord. Do you not see our miserable condition? Asa will say, Today my Lord has become so angry as he has never been before, nor will he ever be like this hereafter. Asa will not mention any sin, but he will say, I am worried about myself. Go to someone else. Go to Muhammad. Another narration is, Allah's Messenger وسلم, said, Go to someone else. Go to Muhammad So they will go to Muhammad And in another narration, Allah's Messenger وسلم, said, They will come to me and say, O Muhammad, you are Allah's messenger and the last of the prophets, and Allah has forgiven your past and future sins. Please intercede for us with your Lord. Do you not see our miserable condition? Allah's messenger وسلم, added, Then I will proceed under Allah's throne and fall down in prostration before my Lord. Then he will bestow upon me knowledge of such praises and glorifications to him as he has never bestowed upon anybody else before me. Then I will be addressed, O Muhammad, raise your head. Ask and your request will be granted. Intercede and your intercession will be accepted. So I will raise my head and say, my followers, oh my Lord, my followers, oh my Lord, my followers, oh my Lord. It will be said, O oh Muhammad, admit into Jannah such people as will not be called to account through the right gate of Jannah. The rest of them will be admitted along with the rest of mankind through the various gates of Jannah. Allah's Messenger وسلم, further said, by him in whose hand is my soul. The distance between every two sides of the gates of Jannah is like the distance between Mecca and Hajar, or that between Mecca and Busra, meaning Syria, collected by Al-Bukhari and Muslim. Commentary. Number one, Hajar is a town in Bahrain and Busra is a city in Harran, which is situated in the south of Damascus. This means that each of the gates of Jannah would be so broad that the distance between its two sides would be thousands of miles. Number two, in this narration, the greatness and superiority of the Prophet ﷺ has been described. On the day of resurrection when the great prophets would not dare to speak or request leniency for mankind, only Muhammad ﷺ would intercede for the people and request for mercy by the permission of Allah. The first request which he will make would be that accountability would be started so that the people may be freed as soon as possible from the hardships and troubles of the day of resurrection. This part of the hadith has not been mentioned in this narration, but it has been described in other narrations. This would be a general request. The second intercession would be for his own ummah, this will take place in several stages. Here the first stage has been mentioned. In this stage, Allah will send those people to Jannah whose accountability will not be necessary. The next stage would be when the sinners among the believers would have completed their period of punishment in hell and then Allah would send them to Jannah upon the intercession of the Prophet Other prophets will seek to be excused from recommending or advocating because of some of their slips. The real reason for this attitude of theirs is that they are on such a high pedestal of greatness and piety that even a slight slip of theirs 
which does come under the boundary of unworthiness, would be felt by them to be very significant. This is just like the proverb which says that even the nice action of the pious ones are considered to be the blemishes and defects for the friends of Allah. Similar is the case with the prophets. They excuse themselves from advocating their case before Allah because of their insignificant slips. Number three, special reference may be made of the three statements of the prophet Ibrahim, which were apparently not according to the outward facts. So they have been described as not factual. In reality, they were not misstatements, but only a way of convincing the people about the basic universal truth and making them realize their misunderstandings. These three are mentioned in a long hadith narrated on the authority of Abu Huraira, radiyallahu anhu. Ibrahim, alayhi salam, did not tell a lie except on three occasions. Twice for the sake of Allah when he said, I am sick. And he said, I have not done this, but the big idol had done it. And the third was that while Ibrahim and Sarah, his wife, were going on a journey, they passed by the territory of a tyrant from amongst the tyrants. Someone said to the tyrant, this man, meaning Ibrahim, is accompanied by a very charming lady. So he sent for Ibrahim and asked him about Sarah, saying, who is this lady? Ibrahim said, she is my sister. Ibrahim went to Sarah and said, Oh Sarah, there are no believers on the surface of the earth except you and I. This man asked me about you and I told him that you are my sister. So do not contradict my statement. The idolaters invited Ibrahim to join them in their celebrations outside the city, but he refused claiming that he was sick. When he was left alone, he came to their idols and broke them. When the idolaters questioned him, he claimed that he had not destroyed their idols, but the chief idol had, which Ibrahim left undisturbed and on whose shoulder he had put an axe to lay the accusation on it. To conclude, Ibrahim, like all other prophets, is free from sins. But the three acts which he made in good faith were to guide his people to the truth and to save his wife from the evil of the then tyrant. Uqba ibn Amr radiyallahu anhu said, One day Allah's Messenger sallallahu alayhi wasallam went out and asked Allah's forgiveness for the martyrs of the Battle of Uhud after eight years. It seemed that by doing so, he bid farewell to the living and the dead. He then came back, rose to the pulpit and said, I shall be your precursor. I am a witness for you before Allah and I will be present before you at the river. By Allah, I can see with my own eyes the river from this place. I am not afraid that you will associate anything with Allah in worship after me, but I am afraid that you will vie with one another for the life of this world. The narrator said, it was the last time that I saw Allah's Messenger Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam Collected by Al-Bukhari and Muslim Commentary This hadith highlights the following points Number one Hawdul Kawthar exists Anas radiallahu anhu reported When the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam Was made to ascend to the heavens He said after his return I came upon a river in Jannah, the banks of which were made of tents of hollow pearls. I asked Jibreel alayhi salam, what is this river? He replied, this is the Kawthar. Number two, warning against vying with one another for the world. Number three, the permissibility of visiting the graves of the Muslims and praying for them. 814. Aisha, Radiyallahu anha said, The Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam said, He who vows to obey Allah should obey him. But he who vows to disobey Allah should not disobey him. Collected by Al-Bukhari. Commentary. This hadith makes it clear that if someone vows to do a righteous deed, 
he should keep his vow. But if he vows to commit a sin, he should break his vow. 815. Abu Hurairah anhu reported, We accompanied Allah's Messenger وسلم, to a banquet. The meat of the forearm was presented to him as he was very fond of it. Allah's Messenger وسلم, ate a morsel of it and said, I will be the master of all the people on the day of resurrection. Do you know why? Allah will gather all human beings, past and present generations on the same ground so that the announcer may be able to make them all hear his voice and the onlookers may be able to see all of them. The sun will come very close to the people. They will suffer such distress and trouble as they will not be able to bear. Then the people will say, Do you see our miserable condition? You should look for someone who can intercede for you with your Lord. Some people will say to the others, Go to your father Adam. So they will go to Adam and say to him, You are the father of mankind. Allah created you with his own hand and breathed into you of his spirit ordered the angels to prostrate before you and made you dwell in Jannah. So please, intercede for us with your Lord. Do you not see our miserable condition? Adam will say, Today my Lord has become so angry as he has never been before, nor will he ever become angry after this. He forbade me to approach the tree, but I disobeyed him. I am worried about myself. Go to someone else. Go to Noor. They will come to Noor and say to him, O oh Noor, you are the first of Allah's messengers to the people on the earth, and Allah has named you a grateful slave. Please intercede for us with your Lord. Do you not see our miserable condition? He will say, Today my Lord has become so angry as he has never been before, nor will he become angry hereafter. I was granted the right to make one definitely accepted supplication. I availed of this opportunity and made it against my nation. I am worried about myself. Go to someone else. Go to Ibrahim. They will go to Ibrahim and say to him, O oh, Ibrahim, you are Allah's messenger and the intimate friend of Allah from among the people of the earth. So please intercede with us with your Lord. Don't you see our miserable condition? He will say to them, Today my Lord has become so angry as he has never been before, nor will he ever be so hereafter. I had told three lies. I am worried about myself. Go to someone else. Go to Musa. The people will then go to Musa and say to him, Ya Musa, you are Allah's messenger and Allah gave you superiority above the others with his message and with his direct talk to you. So intercede for us with your Lord. Do you not see our miserable condition? Musa will say, Today my Lord has become so angry as he has never been before nor will he ever be hereafter. I killed a man whom I had not been ordered to kill. I am worried about myself. Go to someone else. Go to Isa. So they will go to Isa and say to him, O Isa, you are Allah's messenger and his word which he bestowed on Maryam and a spirit created by him. And you talked to the people while you were in the cradle. Please, intercede for us with your Lord. Do you not see our miserable condition? Isa will say, Today my Lord has become so angry as he has never been before, nor will he ever be like this hereafter. Isa will not mention any sin, but he will say, I am worried about myself. Go to someone else. Go to Muhammad. Another narration is, 
Allah's Messenger وسلم, said, Go to someone else. Go to Muhammad So they will go to Muhammad And in another narration, Allah's Messenger وسلم, said, They will come to me and say, O Muhammad, you are Allah's Messenger and the last of the Prophets. And Allah has forgiven your past and future sins. Please intercede for us with your Lord. Do you not see our miserable condition? Allah's Messenger وسلم, added, Then I will proceed under Allah's throne and fall down in prostration before my Lord. Then he will bestow upon me knowledge of such praises and glorifications to him as he has never bestowed upon anybody else before me. Then I will be addressed, O Muhammad, raise your head. Ask and your request will be granted. Intercede and your intercession will be accepted. So I will raise my head and say, my followers, O oh my Lord, my followers, O oh my Lord, my followers, O oh my Lord. It will be said, O oh Muhammad, admit into Jannah such people as will not be called to account through the right gate of Jannah. The rest of them will be admitted along with the rest of mankind through the various gates of Jannah. Allah's Messenger وسلم, further said, by him in whose hand is my soul. The distance between every two sides of the gates of Jannah is like the distance between Mecca and Hajar, or that between Mecca and Busra, meaning Syria, collected by Al-Bukhari and Muslim. Commentary. Number one, Hajar is a town in Bahrain and Busra is a city in Harran, which is situated in the south of Damascus. This means that each of the gates of Jannah would be so broad that the distance between its two sides would be thousands of miles. Number two, in this narration, the greatness and superiority of the Prophet ﷺ has been described. On the day of resurrection, when the great prophets would not dare to speak or request leniency for mankind, only Muhammad ﷺ would intercede for the people and request for mercy by the permission of Allah. The first request which he will make would be that accountability would be started so that the people may be freed as soon as possible from the hardships and troubles of the day of resurrection. This part of the hadith has not been mentioned in this narration, but it has been described in other narrations. This would be a general request. The second intercession would be for his own ummah, this will take place in several stages. Here, the first stage has been mentioned. In this stage, Allah will send those people to Jannah whose accountability will not be necessary. The next stage would be when the sinners among the believers would have completed their period of punishment in hell, and then Allah would send them to Jannah upon the intercession of the Prophet ﷺ. Other prophets will seek to be excused from recommending or advocating because of some of their slips. The real reason for this attitude of theirs is that they are on such a high pedestal of greatness and piety that even a slight slip of theirs, which does come under the boundary of unworthiness, would be felt by them to be very significant. This is just like the proverb which says that even the nice action of the pious ones are considered to be the blemishes and defects for the friends of Allah. Similar is the case with the prophets. They excuse themselves from advocating their case before Allah because of their insignificant slips. Number three, special reference may be made of the three statements of the prophet Ibrahim, which were apparently not according to the outward facts. So they have been described as not factual. In reality, they were not misstatements but only a way of convincing the people about the basic universal truth and making them realize their misunderstandings. These three are mentioned in a long hadith narrated on the authority of Abu Huraira radiallahu anhu. Ibrahim alayhi salam did not tell a lie except on three occasions. 
twice for the sake of Allah when he said, I am sick. And he said, I have not done this, but the big idol had done it. And the third was that while Ibrahim and Sarah, his wife, were going on a journey, they passed by the territory of a tyrant from amongst the tyrants. Someone said to the tyrant, this man, meaning Ibrahim, is accompanied by a very charming lady. So he sent for Ibrahim and asked him about Sarah, saying, who is this lady? Ibrahim said, she is my sister. Ibrahim went to Sarah and said, Oh Sarah, there are no believers on the surface of the earth except you and I. This man asked me about you and I told him that you are my sister. So do not contradict my statement. The idolaters invited Ibrahim to join them in their celebrations outside the city, but he refused claiming that he was sick. When he was left alone, he came to their idols and broke them. When the idolaters questioned him, he claimed that he had not destroyed their idols, but the chief idol had, which Ibrahim left undisturbed and on whose shoulder he had put an axe to lay the accusation on it. To conclude, Ibrahim, like all other prophets, is free from sins. But the three acts which he made in good faith were to guide his people to the truth and to save his wife from the evil of the then tyrant. 1867. Ibn Abbas reported, Ibrahim السلام, brought his wife and her son Ismail while she was suckling him to a place near the Kaaba under a tree on the spot of Zamzam at the highest place in the Masjid. In those days, there was no human being in Mecca nor was there any water. So he made them sit over there and placed near them a leather bag containing some dates and a small water skin containing some water and set out homeward. Ismail's mother followed him saying, O Ibrahim, where are you going? Leaving us in this valley where there is no person whose company we may enjoy, nor is there anything to enjoy. She repeated that to him many times, but he did not look back at her. Then she asked him, Has Allah commanded you to do so? He said, Yes. She said, Then he will not neglect us. She returned while Ibrahim proceeded onwards. Having reached the Thaniya, where they could not see him, he faced the Kaaba raising both his hands and supplicated, O oh, our Lord, I have made some of my offspring to dwell in an uncultivable valley by your sacred house in order, O oh, our Lord, that they may perform a salah. So fill some hearts among men with love towards them, and O oh, Allah, provide them with fruits so that they may give thanks. Ismail's mother went on suckling Ismail and drinking water which she had. When the water in the water skin had all been used up, she became thirsty and her child also became thirsty. She started looking at Ismail tossing in agony. She left him, for she could not endure looking at him and found that the mountain of Asafa was the nearest mountain to her on that land. She stood on it and started looking at the valley keenly so that she might see somebody, but she could not see anybody. Then she descended from Asafa, and when she reached the valley, she tucked up her robe and ran in the valley like a person in distress and trouble till she crossed the valley and reached Al Marwa mountain, where she stood and started looking expecting to see somebody, but she could not see anybody. She repeated that running between As-Safa and Al-Marwa seven times. Ibn Abbas anhuma, related, the Prophet wasallam said, this is the source of the tradition of the Sa'i, or the going of people between the two mountains. When she reached Al-Marwa for the last time, 
she heard a voice and she exclaimed, Shh! Silencing herself and listened attentively. She heard the voice again and said, Oh, whoever you may be, you have made me hear your voice. Have you any relief for me? And behold, she saw an angel at the place of Zamzam digging the earth with his heel or with his wing till water flowed out from that place. She started to make something like of a basin around it. Using her hands in this way, she began to fill her water skin with water with her hands. And the water was flowing out until she had scooped some of it. The Prophet ﷺ further said, May Allah bestow mercy on Ismail's mother. Had she let the Zamzam flow without trying to control it while filling her water skin, Zamzam would have been a stream flowing on the surface of the earth. The Prophet ﷺ added, Then she drank water and suckled her child. The angel said to her, Do not be afraid of being neglected. For this is the site on which the house of Allah will be built by this boy and his father. And Allah will never neglect his people. The house of Allah, meaning the Kaaba, at that time was on a high place resembling a hillock. And when torrents came, they flowed to its right and left. She continued living in that way till some people from the tribe of Jorahem passed by her and her child, as they were coming from the direction of Kadat, in the lower part of Mecca where they saw a bird that had a habit of flying around water and not leaving it. They said, This bird must be flying over water, though we know that there is no water in this valley. They sent one or two messengers who discovered the source of the water and returned to inform them of the water. So they all came towards the water. The Prophet ﷺ added, Ismail's mother was sitting near the water. They asked her, Do you allow us to stay with you? She replied, Yes, but you will have no right to possess the water. They agreed to that. The Prophet ﷺ further said, Ismail's mother was pleased with the whole situation as she used to love the company of the people. So they settled there, and later on they sent for their families who came and settled with them. The child Ismail grew up and learned Arabic from them, caused them to love and admire him as he grew up. And when he reached the age of puberty, they gave him one of their daughters in marriage. After Ismail's mother had died, radiyallahu anha, Ibrahim came after Ismail's marriage in order to see his family that he had left before. But he did not find Ismail there. When he asked Ismail's wife about him, she replied, he has gone in search of our livelihood. Then he asked her about their way of living and their condition. And she replied, complaining to him, We are living in hardship, misery, and destitution. He said, When your husband returns, convey my salutations to him and tell him to change the threshold of the door of his house. When Ismail came, he seemed to have perceived something unusual. He asked his wife, Did anyone visit you? She replied, Yes, an old man of such and such description came and asked me about you and I informed him. And he asked about our state of living and I told him that we were living in hardship and poverty. Thereupon Ismail said, Did he advise you anything? She replied, Yes. He told me to convey his salutations to you and to change the threshold of your door. Ismail said, That was my father, and he has ordered me to divorce you. Go back to your family.
So Ismail divorced her and married another woman from amongst them. Then Ibrahim stayed away from them for a period as long as Allah wished and called on them again, but did not find Ismail. So he came to Ismail's wife and asked her about him. She said, he has gone in search of our livelihood. Ibrahim asked her about their sustenance and living. How are you getting on? She replied, we are prosperous and well off. Then she praised Allah the Exalted. Ibrahim asked, what kind of food do you eat? She said, meat. He said, what do you drink? She said, water. He said, O oh Allah, bless their meat and water. The Prophet ﷺ added, At that time they did not have grain, and if they had grain, he would have also invoked Allah to bless it. The Prophet ﷺ further said, If somebody has only these two things as his sustenance, his health and disposition will be badly affected because these things do not suit him unless he lives in Mecca. The Prophet ﷺ added, Then Ibrahim said to Ismail's wife, When your husband comes, give my regards to him and tell him that he should keep firm the threshold of his door. When Ismail came back, he asked his wife, Did anyone call on you? She replied, Yes. A good-looking old man came to me. She praised him and added, He asked about you, and I informed him. And he asked about our livelihood, and I told him that we were in good condition. Ismail asked her, Did he give you a piece of advice? She said, Yes. He told me to convey his regards to you and ordered that you should keep firm the threshold of your door. On that, Ismail said, He was my father, and you are the threshold of the door. He has ordered me to keep you with me. Then Ibrahim salam, stayed away from them for a period as long as Allah wished and called on them afterwards. He saw Ismail under a tree near Zemzem, sharpening his arrows. When he saw Ibrahim, he rose up to welcome him, and they greeted each other as a father does with his son or a son does with his father. Ibrahim salam said, O Ismail, Allah has given me an order. Ismail said, Do what your Lord has commanded you to do. Ibrahim asked, Will you help me? Ismail said, I will help you. Ibrahim said, Allah has ordered me to build a house here, pointing to a hillock higher than the land surrounding it. Allah's Messenger added, Then they raised the foundations of the house, meaning the Kaaba. Ismail brought the stones, and Ibrahim was building the house. When the walls became high, Ismail brought stone and placed it for Ibrahim, who stood over it and carried on building the house. While Ismail was handing over the stones to him, both of them prayed, O oh our Lord, accept this service from us. Verily you are the all-hearer and the all-knower. Collected by Al-Bukhari. Commentary. Number one, in this narration, there is the historical background of walking briskly between the hills of As-Safa and Al-Marwa. This ritual of Hajj and Umrah has been fixed as a remembrance of the incident about what Hajr had to face and what she did in the difficult circumstances. In fact, she was so pious and obedient that she agreed to live in such wilderness where there was no sign of any human being far and wide. Secondly, there was no water to drink or food for sustenance. For this act of piety, she was rewarded with two things. Firstly, she was bestowed with an eternal flowing spring, which provided for her at that moment a source of life. 
and people still benefit from it today. Secondly, her brisk movement and running between the two hills was made an important and compulsory ritual to be performed during Hajj and Umrah. This ritual is to continue for all times till the day of resurrection. Number two, the Kaaba was built by Prophet Ibrahim and Prophet Ismail. Number three, thanking Allah under all circumstances is an act of praise and piety, while the reverse of this attitude is disliked and considered reprehensible. And number four, if a father asks his son to do something, then the child should respond to the father's request as long as he does not order him to disobey Allah. 1868 Sa'id ibn Zayd reported I heard Allah's messenger وسلم, saying truffle is a species of al-manna and their water cures eye diseases collected by al-Bukhari and Muslim Commentary Al-manna is the famous kind of food which Allah bestowed upon Bani Israel. Al-Salwa was a kind of bird resembling the quail. It was slaughtered and then eaten. Al-Manna was a sweet substance which appeared on the trees or stones. It was sweet like honey and after drying, it took the form of gum. According to others, it was honey or sweet water. The truffle is similar to Al-Manna. This means that as Bani Israel was given food without toil, so we find truffle in nature without effort. The juice of a truffle is useful in curing some diseases of the eye. This prescription was suggested by the Prophet ﷺ. It is surely beneficial.